you know, thoughts on what I feel I'm having met. So, um, as we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, so we finished, two weeks ago we finished uh, the epistle of 1 Peter, which we started maybe at the end, the beginning of March, and we just finished it uh, two weeks ago. But then we sped up our rate is much faster now. We finished a whole book last week. And we're also going to finish another book today. So uh, it's not too bad. We're finishing three books in a couple months. So it's a little bit, a little bit different. Um, so uh, we'll get started right away. Today, we're going to be reading one of uh, St. Paul's epistles um, with the most controversial name. And the reason why I say this is because uh, a couple of people, uh, not pointing any fingers, but uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we were discussing the, the name. And if we can open up to the book right before Hebrews and after Titus. Because Philemon. Philemon. Exactly. It's Philemon. It is Philemon. Right? Um, but some people had the Arabic understanding of what the word is, which is Philemon. So, uh, so today we're going to study the book of Philemon. And uh, uh, it's a very interesting uh, epistle. Because if you notice, it's only 25 verses. 25 verses. So, um, but before we start reading this, a little background on this epistle. So there's a few key things about it. One, who wrote this epistle? St. Paul. St. Paul wrote this epistle. And the way we understand uh, how St. Paul writes, we said that he writes to groups of people or to churches. He writes uh, uh, to individuals. So he's written to Timothy. He's written to Titus. He's written to Philemon. So this was a person named Philemon. St. Paul wrote this epistle. This is one of the prison epistles. He wrote this epistle while he was in prison, which is very interesting because just like we saw before in, in other aspects, St. Paul, when, he, when, he, uh, when he's writing, think about the, the understanding of how, like what mood are you really in when you're in, in prison. I can't imagine it being the, the greatest of moves, right? So, but he's serving even when he's behind closed, bar, closed, closed bars. And the idea is that wherever he goes, he was able to preach, even when he was in a, stuck in a cell, he was able to uh, serve. So this letter is very interesting. Many letters are very encouraging letters, very corrective letters, right? When he sees a problem, when he hears about a problem in Corinth or in Ephesus or in wherever, he writes to them. Some letters, like Timothy, where he's building Timothy as a person and encouraging him how to grow and how to serve and, and just kind of discipling him, so the letters of discipleship. This letter is very, very different letter. So before we can start reading it, we need to look at the background. So anybody know who Philemon was? So Philemon, Philemon was a member of the church of Colossus, or Colossae, right? And this it was a city where St. Paul wrote the letter, the Colossians, and an interesting fact about that uh, place, St. Paul actually never went to Colos or Colossae or whatever. I can't pronounce it. Uh, he never went. He went, the closest place he went to was Ephesus. And so in Ephesus, this was like an hour, an hour and a half away, but he never actually went there. So when he served the people in, Eph in, in Ephesus, they served their neighbor town, okay? Some people, it's close enough neighborhood where it's like 
people would come from, from uh, like the Colossians would come from the area and meet in Ephesus and meet St. Paul. So it, it wasn't, he, but he never stepped foot physically there. But he obviously had a good relationship with them, as we saw by his letter to the Colossians. He knew everything about them and this and that, and he, he, he wrote to them to encourage them. So he had a good relationship with them, but he never entered. Philemon was a very wealthy man, very, very wealthy man, from the city of Colossae, and he was, he became a believer by the hands of St. Paul. So St. Paul converted Philemon. So he had a very, very close relationship. He looked up to St. Paul. Okay, so just to understand the relationship. St. Paul was a person who, who helped him reach where he is now, his faith. He built his, he helped him with his faith, he helped him convert, right? Now in doing so, Philemon also was known for something else. Uh, tradition has it that he built his own church at his home. So he was a very, very wealthy man. He had people working for him. He had uh, slaves. He had, um, uh, like, he, he just had a lot of land. And in, in that, he also had home churches. Now, why would people have home churches back then? Why were, why were home churches a, a thing? The red thing from another church. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess this could be considered a home church as well, too. Like, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> the persecution, rent control, all that stuff. Um, but it, it, was, it was the time of persecution then, and the time where people back then, they didn't allow, like Christianity wasn't the main religion. So it was, they had to, there was obstacles to, for them to have a place of worship. Some places they were able to, but not always. So the apostles all started with home churches. They would meet in different places. Like in Acts, they talk about this, where they would gather in locations. They would have the Eucharist. They would pray the liturgy, or whatever the form of the liturgy was back then, right? But, but basically, they would have communion. They would pray and then have communion, and they would serve each other, and then they would move on. So it would be a gathering, and that's what the idea of a church was. So Philemon was such a strong believer that he believed, you know what, I have the resources, I have the land, I have the place, why not build a church here? So this is just kind of like a character study on who Philemon was. So Philemon was a great guy. Now, here's the issue of this letter. Philemon's a great guy, but culturally speaking, slavery back then was okay. Like, slavery was common practice. And slavery back then is very different than the slavery we have, like, we've had in our country, or in some remnants of it still. But this idea of, of slavery was accepted by the culture, where you, would, you had a master. You would be working for somebody, this is your life. And this person was not free. It wasn't free. But it's very different than being, you know, taken out from their country and moved and forced. And it wasn't like that. But it was like a type of. It was like it was. A, there was a system of slavery um, that was established, and culturally, it was okay. Nowadays, we see also slavery, but not just with um, African Americans, but but we see the, the, the sex trade, human trafficking as slavery as well, and we see that happening all across. Um, so slavery is a message in this letter as well, so it kind of hits that cultural um, factor. So we'll keep that in mind. Philemon uh, is a great guy, but he had, he had slaves. He wasn't doing it in a bad way, but that's what happened. So one of the slaves he had, his name was Onesimus. 
Onesimus. Onesimus was one of the slaves, and just this is all background. We'll, we'll read the we'll read the letter. Onesimus was not a believer, and he was worked or lived or served under Philemon, and he ended up stealing from Philemon. Once he stole from Philemon, he hid, he ran, he escaped, and went to Rome. As a slave, you leave a small city, you want to go to a larger city, to, so, you, so, you're not, so you're kind of hidden, you're kind of like in your own place, you can start over, you know, big cities, more jobs, more opportunities. So he went to the biggest city in the world at the time, which was Rome. So he went from Colossae to Rome, and when he went there, he he got he, he went to the area and he met St. Paul. Where was St. Paul? Prison. Prison. So we don't know if he got if he got caught with something or what happened, why he was in prison, but he met St. Paul in prison. And he changed his life. St. Paul, even in prison, converted this man. Converted this man. Now, this letter was sent to Philemon by the hands of Onesimus. So that means Onesimus went back to Philemon. Is everybody following? Okay. He went back to Philemon and he gives him this letter and he says, here, this letter is from St. Paul. When Onesimus goes back, how do you think Philemon is reacting before he gives him the letter? What's the state of mind? What would you do? You're the owner of a house. You're the owner of a house. Somebody who works under you, who works for you, your slave, so you don't even consider him equal to you, steals from you and runs away. What's your mindset? Angry. Huh? Angry. Angry? Like, okay, first of all, it's ridiculous that you did that. Second of all, it's ridiculous that you came back. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're done, right? Like, Philemon is a powerful man. <coughs> and then he comes back to him, and I just picture Onesimus going like, okay, okay, before you do anything, just, just read this. Here, here, read this letter. It's from St. Paul. And I'm sure he was like, St. Paul? You met St. Paul? How do you know St. Paul? You're just asleep. So this is the background of the story. We're going to talk about different themes, but I want to read the story first and then discuss certain really, really important themes. And this letter is very, very deep for just 25 verses. But we're going to read it, um, we'll read it all in one shot, just so we can kind of get the whole grasp of the letter, and then we'll break it down into, into parts. So if we could just, um, just so we can have a couple of people read. If somebody can read um, verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 11, and the next person just read from 12 to 25. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved... Aphia, Archippus, our beloved soldier, and to the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, that sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, Though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you, being such a one as Paul, that aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I appeal to you for my one, for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted, I wanted <coughs> to do nothing. 
that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If then you count me as a partner, receive him <coughs> as you would me, but if he would but if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that... Through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So, notice that this is a very different type of letter that St. Paul is writing. It's a plea. This letter was a plea to Philemon, for accepting Onesimus back, but not just accepting him back, but to treat him as what? A brother. Okay, now more background information. Back then, a slave is a property. Property. That's what the Roman law said. Like when I said that it's, called, uh, it's, it's appreciated, but it's what, you know, the, 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 the law of the land, the law of the land is, you're a slave, the master owns you, you're a property. So, by St. Paul saying this, what is the trouble here? Why is this, why is this such a big deal? It's reversing the, the order of what he has. This is, this is completely against the law. This is, like, if Philemon took Winnesmus <coughs> to court, Winnesmus is done. Because he was in the fall. So now St. Paul is, is, is doing something that is unheard of. St. Paul is taking a slave and going to his master and saying, please forgive him, one, and accept him as a brother. These are two things. What does this relate to? What does this, what, what does this remind us of? How? And that he took us, even though we were we're unseemless in this case. Exactly. And then so Onesimus messed up. He messed up. Actually, funny funny uh, play on words. Uh, Philemon, the name means <coughs> compassionate or affectionate or loving, like philo, love, right? So Philemon. Is that comes from that? Onesimus comes from the word useful, and he does. Saint Paul does a play on words here when he when when he mentions that he may be useful to you, because he understands the name, and he's saying like he has been unuseful. Now, hopefully, when he goes back to you, he could be also useful, basically living up to his name. Okay, so let's break it down. Uh, piece by piece. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archippus, <coughs> our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. This was his wife, the first name, Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, was considered, uh, tradition says that, that it was his son, who also some traditions say that he was the uh, priest of the house. So the dad owned the, the church, this was his house, and his son became the priest of the house. I thank God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord and toward all the saints, that sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. But we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. 
what are some things that you get out of this? How does, what is this, what feelings do you get that St. Paul has towards Philemon? Praising him. Praising him. So he looks at him in a high account. What else? <coughs> he appreciates what he's doing because he's, he's continuing the service. The apostles' goal was not just to serve an area, but to build apostles as well. Our church is an apostolic church. So we learn something, and we grow, and we continue teaching the next generation, and then they go, and then like it continues growing. So that it doesn't just stop at one point. Ever since Christ, he started with 12, continued growing, 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 growing. But every person that hears the gospel should go and share it and continue. So St. Paul is praising his works, appreciative of his service. What else? The last word in that verse that we read. The saints have been refreshed by you, absolutely, so that you're, you're, you're not only, um, you, like you're encouraging people. Encouraging or refreshing is what our faith should be. Our faith should not be a dry faith. Like, we should always be refreshing to the people around us, right? And then also he calls him brother. He calls him brother. So, St. Paul is saying that he's at a high level. He's like, I look at you as a brother. Now, St. Paul has a tactic in a lot of his writings. And this is similar in this, which is what? You noticed what in his writings before? He always begins with praise. Always begins with praise. I give thanks to you always. For, you, for every time I think of you, I praise God for all that you have done. This is everything. Ephesians, Galatians, uh, uh, Colossians. Every, everything, everything you can think of. Romans. It always starts with a positive greeting to lift the person up. St. Paul didn't just do this on his own. Christ taught us to do this. Christ, that's how Christ talked to everyone. He always built them up. He always built people up. And it's important to be able to build people up. St. Paul always builds the people that he's talking to. Although even if they messed up, like, it's kind of like a parent, in a, in a way. You always point out the good. And then from there, correct. He never not doesn't correct. He always corrects. But it's important also to do it in a positive way. And St. Paul teaches us this. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you. This is very important here. What authority does St. Paul have towards, towards Philemon? The He's his elder. That's his God. Right? St. Paul is the elder here. He's the apostle. He is basically the modern day, well, we have bishops. That's what the apostles were. So, he's saying, I can command you. Like, I'm writing something to you. I'm gonna, I can just tell you, this is what you're going to do. But instead, I'm doing what? wants to do it voluntarily. Voluntarily. Why? Why why is that important? It's different when you do something willingly or Well how is it different? You're still getting it done. Mm -hmm. Yes. You're doing it with your love. Okay. Versus being forced to do it. Okay, so is the result different? For five That's what it is. Anybody can do it. Like Philemon could just do it. But St. Paul wants Philemon to want to do it because the change happens with it. This is a story of forgiveness. Forgiveness when technically he doesn't need to for, be, like, forgive. 
According to Roman law, he doesn't need to forgive. But according to Christ's law, this is how we should live. This is the Christian life. That we forgive even if it doesn't make sense. The guy stole from him. It doesn't matter. Forgive. Okay? Yet for love's sake, <coughs> I'd rather appeal to you. Not for my sake. I can tell you what to do and you should do it. You will do it. Out of obedience to me, you'll do it. But I don't want you to do it out of obedience. I want you to do it for love's sake. When we do things in our spiritual lives, we have to wonder, are we doing it because I'm forced to do it? Or am I doing it for love's sake? Am I doing it because I really love God? Like, am I praying the Bible? Am I reading from the Bible? Because somebody told me I have to. Abuna mentioned, my parents told me, like, am I doing it because I'm in trouble? Or am I doing it because I know that for me, this is love's sake. I, I, I do it because I'd love to. And we think about the things that we do in our life. Forget, I'm not even talking about the spiritual stuff. Think about our everyday things. Why do we do it? Are we doing it because we have to? Or are we doing it because we love to? I'm not talking about like work and school and all this stuff. I'm talking about like um, making food for someone. Taking care of someone. Is that because we have to? Or is it because out of love? Because God is love and my relationship with God requires me to love. And this is who I am. Does that make sense? Do you see the difference between the two? Doing things because you have to versus doing things for love's sake. Now, St. Paul is very um, clear here that he has the authority. Like, I can tell you to do this and you're going to do it. But instead, I want you to do it. I appeal to you. It's very passionate here. It shows St. Paul's passion here that he's appealing. Who's above in the story? Who's, like, who's the bigger name? Paul. Paul. He's the most, he's the apostle. But he's appealing. Like when you think of appealing, what do you think of? Like standing like this? Or like on the floor begging? Right? Like, right? So he says, being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. This is the part that I was mentioning with the, the, the play on words. He, says, he said, yes, he was completely useless. He stole from you, he messed up. But guess what? Now, he's very useful. He's living up to his name. Because he, after he came to me, he got to know who Christ is. St. Paul is vouching for this man. What happened, do you think, to this man? What changed? What's the difference? How could St. Paul honestly, openly say, he's now profitable to you and to me? True repentance. He, he completely was transformed. This life of repentance transforms the person takes him from going one direction to the other. Repentance is what our life is about. Repentance is the constant turning back to Christ. It's always turning back to Christ. When Isimus, in this case, did not know who Christ was. He wasn't a believer. But in doing so, when he got to know who Christ is, his life was transformed. He went to St. Paul in his chains. Now, St. Paul is vouching for him. Why would St. Paul vouch for him? Why didn't St. Paul just tell him, alright, you messed up, okay, you've repented, I absolve you, now go live, go get a job in Rome, figure things out. Why do you tell? Why do you think he sent them back? 
repentance, like in the sense of like, to, for true repentance to be fully kind of done, you kind of have to right the wrong in a way. Okay, but and, but how is he gonna right the wrong? Is he gonna pay him back? No, just more of asking for forgiveness, and it's okay. also kind of like what Steve mentioned earlier. It also helps Philemon too. Exactly. In a way. So this story is about the repentance of Onesimus, the love of Saint Paul to build Onesimus and Philemon, and also the forgiveness of Philemon. Forgiveness of Philemon. So let's continue. Verse 12, I am sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in, in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. This is why. He wanted to change Philemon. He could have forced Philemon. He wanted Winnison. He wanted him to stay and serve him. St. Paul's in prison. He's not like just chilling on the beach. He, he, needs, he wants people to help him. And if this man is available, why not? But he said, no. I want him to go back. Why did he have to go back? So he could be voluntary. Why? If you remember, what's the relationship between Philemon and Onesimus? The master slave. By law, he's still property. By law, he's still property. He couldn't, he can't. St. Paul is doing exactly what Christ did. Christ did not can't come to disobey the laws. He came to fulfill the law. So he didn't come and say, oh, you know what, this Roman law, it's nonsense. Slavery is bad. No. He wanted, by leaving himself, to release him. Once he's released and made him free, then he can come back and serve him. Why is that important? Why, why is this concept important here? Did it matter what the Roman law said? Well, Christ told us to follow the laws. So he didn't want to break it. Absolutely. Christ taught us to, we're, we're living in this world, we follow the laws, but we still live a godly life. When, when he, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. He didn't just say, forget Caesar. Caesar's nonsense, so don't worry about him, don't worship him, don't forget him. No, he said, no, give to, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. When he pointed at the, the coin, right? So the idea is that we have to understand that there is laws, but also, besides the law part, he wanted to make sure that Philemon looked at Onesimus as a brother, as an equal. This was a rich, poor thing, too. It's not a matter of only removing uh, the, the legal hold the slavery hold, but also Philemon Onesimus. St. Paul wanted it to be Philemon Onesimus. In order to do that, he must be able to look him eye to eye and forgive him and release him. At that moment, you're treating a person like a human, like the way they're meant to be treated. Christ there's a misunderstanding of what charity is. Charity, when we look at it in society now, is what? What's our definition? Me having a lot of money, helping those who are less fortunate. That's not what Christ's mentality of charity is. This is what society tells us charity is. Because you know what the problem with that is? that I'm looking at myself above the people I'm helping. Does that make sense? Like I'm putting myself on a different level and I'm serving those below me. So below me financially, below me 
status-wise, below me in any way. So charity, what society tells us charity is, is no, I'm going to donate. Out of my own profits, I'm going to give to those less fortunate. Christ did not teach that. Christ taught what? In Matthew 25, he said, whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do unto me. He's lifting up. He's saying there's no such thing as least. Because the least is me. If you, do you think of me as least? No. So he's leveling, leveling the, the, the playing field. He's saying that there is no... Charity is not higher giving to lower. Charity is us doing our godly deeds by serving each other. That I'm not looking at this as I'm serving somebody lesser than me. He wanted Winnesimus to see that point. To, that him, as an elder in the church, as a believer, as a church planter, is still at the same level as his poor Winnesimus. Does that make sense? What is the hard, why is it so hard nowadays? Or is this not hard? Like, what do you guys think? Why? It's counterintuitive to society. You're supposed to. <coughs> you're taught to go up the ladder. You're not. You're, you're Even if you have to step on somebody else to get up there, right? Success is based upon that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we have to change our mindset when it comes to charity. That's why even when we think of tithing to the church, tithing is not a. Oh, the church needs me. No, the church doesn't need you. The church is going to be completely fine without you. Completely fine without anybody. The church has been going on for 2,000 years. It doesn't need your pocket change. But it's to our benefit to serve each other and to give God what, what is His, like we say in the liturgy. Right? So the idea is to look at charity as we're leveled, that we serve each other, that charity is just a form of love. Love is not higher to lower. Love is person to person. That's why Christ taught us, he says, the, the two main um, rules of Christianity is what? Love your God, love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Don't look down at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor as <coughs> yourself. That's charity. So let's try to work on that mindset when we think of like helping the less fortunate or helping this. Don't, because sometimes we help by judging. That's what happens. We say, oh, they, they need our help. You know what? I, I need to go help them. No, you don't. Unless you can lift them up to a certain status in your in your heart, in your mind, you're not serving them. You can give them a million dollars. It doesn't matter. But it's that's not real charity. Okay? So he wanted that from Vanini. Uh, yeah. So there's no doubt in my mind that whenever we, we serve or do anything... For, for the service, any sort of charity, that once it's done out of the heart and volunteer, it's totally different than out of compulsion. Mm -hmm. Even though the result might be the same. Mm -hmm. um, like when it's forced, the spirit of love and the spirit that it's yes. supposed to have is missing. Yeah. But although we strive for that, and that's the idea of that, all our service comes from the voluntary heart and our own will and our love for that charity when it's just not there and my love isn't mature and like I know I'm supposed to go to church I don't love the liturgy I know I'm supposed to read the Bible but I hate reading so you're telling me um, you know read out of your love for your relationship with God and 
ideally, yes, that should be the case, but I mean, I, I speak to so many people that don't have the love for service, for prayer, um, for doing the dishes for your spouse, whatever it might be that you're supposed to do. But until it's there, what do I do? I, I think this was a different situation. In your situation, I, I completely, I think. So I mean, Philemon could have just said, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, <laughs> but I think St. Paul knew who he was dealing with. Like, it wasn't a stranger. He knew Philemon's heart, and he knew that Philemon would comply. So that's a little different. When you're dealing with people who are not, like, like forgiveness requires, like true, true, honest forgiveness requires an honest heart. You can't fake forgiveness. It's just not, if I, somebody does something to me, and somebody tells me, no, you better forgive them. I'm like, okay, fine, but I don't really feel it. It's not real. So forgiveness requires the full heart. And he wanted it to come from Philemon directly. But when it comes to like your examples, great examples, I'm not feeling the liturgy, I'm not feeling reading the Bible, I'm not feeling uh, praying, whatever it is. I think there is this idea, and I don't know how to put it in a more profound way other than fake it till you make it. Like, it's really fake it till you make it. Go to liturgy. God will work. Read your Bible. God will work. And we see all like Desert Father stories where just do it. I don't care if you don't like it. But I know what's best for you. Right? Like, with this new baby, and I know Deacon Levon can speak to this as well, like, sometimes she doesn't want to sleep. You gotta sleep. So we can sleep, so we can function, so you can sleep. Everybody has to sleep. And, and the idea is, like, she doesn't know what's best. But we know that once she sleeps, she's going to enjoy it. But she just has to do it. So, and, and, and again, with everything in our life. So this is different. Forgiveness can't be forced. So that's why St. Paul could have commanded him to release him. But he didn't want him to just release him. He wanted to teach Philemon to restore witnesses. That's what Christ did for us. Christ didn't just forgive us. The, the, the incarnation, the crucifixion, and the resurrection was not about forgiveness only. Yes, it forgave us all our sins. But it was about restoring us. Restoring mankind. Restoring us to to God. And that can't be fake. That can't be just is that kind of I just I yeah, just feel I, like, I, I see that struggle with every spiritual activity. But forgiveness is I don't think forgiveness is like if it can can be that way. Like I mean I don't enjoy liturgy. I don't enjoy liturgy. It comes out of out of love. But if right? I don't so enjoy whether liturgy, I forgive or whether I serve or whether I pray if I'm if somebody's really taking me off I can't forgive them. Yes, but the other ones you could still do as an action. Even if I don't not if I'm not carrying <coughs> the Bible, it's okay. Read a little bit. Listen to it. Try to try to go to a Bible study. Try to try to read commentary to help you. Like do the best you can with what you can do. If you can't do it, just try to attend. Try to follow in the book. Try to read read like tr- whatever. Try your best. You can fake it. And then something might click. Forgiveness can't be faith. It's not really, you can't, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't think you can fake somebody hurting you and you saying, uh, like, I completely forgive you. When you don't honestly, from the bottom of your heart, forgive them. Like you really, truly, truly forgive them, then okay. So I think he wanted that to be the case for Philemon. This was a building for Onesimus. He built Onesimus and he's building Philemon in Christ. He's teaching him Christ's uh, qualities. Let's, uh, let's continue. 
He even called Onesimus my own heart. He said, my own heart is there. So there was a connection. Yeah. I want to just make a quick... Sure. Uh, even if it's forgiveness, I, wanna, I was going to ask if, uh, you know, to try that, I know it has to be real. That, that part is correct, I think. But uh, to ask for, to still do it and ask for God's grace to work inside you through that. Because I think it's for... I, I may be wrong. I think for us it's impossible to fully forgive unless God's working through us. Absolutely. Absolutely. But but again, to look at this situation, we have to understand Philemon was a godly man. But even godly people get hurt. You get betrayed. So St. Paul is just pleading, pleading with him like, hey, if you have it in your heart, Winston is a good guy. Not only is he a good guy, now he converted. He wasn't a believer under, under Philemon, mind you. So he's a different person. A non-Christian and a Christian, it's different. You've, tra- you've been transformed. So he's now dealing with a brand new Winnesimus, a more useful Winnesimus. Okay? But yeah, I, I agree with you. You can't forgive without God. God, God teaches us and gives us the ability to forgive. Fully. So it continues, uh, verse 15, for, for perhaps he, de- he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. This is the key uh, part here. He said, maybe this is why he left. I don't agree with the mistake. I'm not saying it's okay to steal. But you know what? Maybe God used this situation where he found me in prison. It wasn't like St. Paul was preaching in different places and then when Isimus showed up to the synagogue one, one day. No. He's in prison. But he went and he was completely transformed. He's like, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he, he did what he did. Maybe that's why he left. But when he left, now he's coming back to you. Not to treat him as a slave, but as a brother. This is true love. True love. That we look at people that we love as brothers. Not as a slave. Not that there's a difference in status. True love. True love we equalize the person with us. Now, I'm not saying like when we love our kids, we, we treat them like they're the, the same, they're still the, the, fa- the, the father-son, mother-daughter, whatever, relationships. I get it. But when we treat each other, love our neighbors, we love our neighbors as brothers, as siblings, as family. That's exactly what it is. So he's saying, forget the slavery business. I'm not telling you accept him back as that. He says, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother. Especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. He's a brother to St. Paul. This is huge words. St. Paul is considering Onesimus a brother. And Philemon, he's saying, you better treat him more than slave, but as a brother. He's a brother to me. And he says, in the flesh and in the Lord. What does it mean? What's in the flesh and in the Lord mean? Exactly. So like, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. But in the flesh, actually show that. Serve them. Love them in person. Not just like, Oh yeah, like uh, we, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, and yay, and we're, we just keep our distance for everybody. No, it's show in the flesh that you love your brother and sister. Okay, the last part, and we'll end here. I know it's uh, it's past time. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Wow, 
Treat Winnesimus as you treat me. How would Philemon treat Winnesimus? Like, like, whatever you want. Treat him as you treat me. And then he said, anything he owes you, put it on my tab. I'll Venmo you. Like, I'll take care of it, right? Like, I'll, I'll pay you all back. Don't worry about it. I will, I will take care of it. Why? Because at the end of the day, we're the same. I'll take it off. That's true love. That's sacrificial love. That's what Christ did. did. Christ said, I will take on everybody's sins. I will, I will do it. Forget them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I'll take it. And this is God we love, that St. Paul is not just living, but he's preaching to Onesimus. Uh, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand, I will repay not to mention, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self besides. Yes, brother, let me have joy from you and the Lord refresh my heart in the Lord. He's saying like, come on. We, you remember where you were before you came to Christ. Now treat Onesimus the same way. We also have to look at how much we've come from where we were in our own spiritual lives when we're serving others. That that's how we have compassion on people. That we see they're transformed. We find Christ in them, even if it's so so far away. We see what they could become, not what they are. Because then it's easier to serve. It's easier to love somebody when you know like potential look at their potential rather their situation now. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say, but meanwhile also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that you, through your prayers I shall be granted to you. So I have no worry. He kind of left it at that. Now this letter is very interesting because there's no follow-up. But tradition says that Philemon became a bishop of Colossus, I would say. And hang on, you love that. Um, and uh, that uh, Winnesimus is, some people say that he became the bishop of Ephesus later <coughs> on. So that we see that the growth in their spiritual life continues um, later, later in, in, in life. But it starts with even a small decision. Philemon could have, like tradition says that this happened, but what if Philemon said, absolutely not. I'll do anything for you, Paul, but you know what? He really, he stole a lot. He really messed me up. That would have stunted Philemon's growth. He's considered, uh, uh, some people consider him a saint now. So it's the idea of, of our own growth requires us to, to be uncomfortable, to be put ourselves in situations where we might not necessarily always uh, think about. Any questions or comments, additions? Maybe to God. Uh,